0: Welcome to Order Up, the Restaurant Operations Podcast, brought to you by Ops Analytica. The reality is, is that when a customer has a bad experience with our one of our locations or with our brand, very rarely is it a catastrophic fail on the company's part. It's not like they got punched in the face or their car caught on fire or they got foodborne illness. On the contrary, most of those mediocre experiences that they're having are just. The team at the location did not deliver the experience or the product to the level of expectation, right? That's it. And what's even more frustrating is that so many of those fails um, that are creating those mediocre experiences have already been identified by the company. We already know that that's an issue. We've trained on it. We told you to look out for it. But the reality is, is that we are asking so much more from our employees today than at any other time in the past. We expect them to have such a grasp on all of these details, but we are not giving them the tools to be successful, right? And that's what we do at Ops Analytica. We are the platform that you give to your hourly employees so they know uh, what they have to do, when they have to do it. so they don't miss anything. And then on the corporate side, you now have visibility into what's happening and you can hold them accountable to doing it. And you can get rid of those mediocre experiences and control what you can control. And Ops Analytica is a major key to that success. Check us out at OpsAnalytica.com. Hello there, Order Up Show, it's Tommy. I am here again with another interview. Please welcome to the show, Chad Horn. Chad, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Tommy. Thank you so much for having me on your program. It's an honor. I know.
0: Uh, I'm very excited to meet you and hear everything you're doing. Uh, we were introduced through uh, this master uh, introduction guide. I mean, that's the best way to put him, uh, a buddy of mine on LinkedIn. So uh, it's really exciting to uh, meet you and get you on the show. So here's the format. Super easy. Uh, we're just going to go through and I'm going to ask you five questions and we're going to have a nice conversation. And um, so the first question is: Tell me what you do today, and then uh, tell me how you got there from your first job to today.
1: Excellent. Well, I'll uh, I'll just say briefly what I do today is I'm helping restaurants navigate successfully the world of blockchain. How we got here uh, you know, is uh, is a story. Right. So I uh, I got into the the restaurant tech industry by accident. I had uh, studied computers in school. Uh, and after my first uh, summer programming job, I realized staring at a screen uh, for eight or more hours a day wasn't for me. Went back to school to to learn about people, right? kind of go the polar opposite. I'm, I'm going to work with people. Uh, and uh, ended up uh, kind of going the path of sales and support, but for a tech company. So I ended up starting to work with computers more and more anyway. And uh, that's where I got into uh, uh, kind of the the restaurant tech tangentially a little bit. I was helping a a restaurant tech company there manage its its IT staff uh, across the country uh, with kind of microservices install, site surveys, deployments. Uh, So I started to get a taste of of the space there. But the real move into uh, the tech space again by accident. I was studying. analytics and data data analytics was a hot topic in the world at, at that point and i went and found the the coolest company in the greater boston area doing something along those lines and it happened to be a restaurant tech company and so i joined them uh in a, in a partnerships capacity and uh, that's where i i fell in love with both restaurant and restaurant tech partnerships as well as as well as restaurant tech in general uh, and so from there I've done uh, kind of go through the categories of restaurant tech point of sale, right? Restaurant okay. analytics and reporting, front of house, waitlist management, online ordering, loyalty, restaurant apps, uh, integrations with uh, ordering and delivery platforms. Back to point of sale, <laughs> where, where recently I was at Par, it's uh, just an awesome company and I was managing the, the integ- Integration ecosystem. So, if it integrated to the POS, uh, I was responsible for for oh. that technology, that relationship coming together and working right. And uh, that that had me talking to all kinds of different companies in the space. And you know, all th- all throughout the career, my career, I, I felt it was just fascinating stuff. But it really culminated uh, in my time at Par. And uh, so now, how do I get to where I'm do- where what I'm doing now? Partly because I, I lived in integration land. I was I was uh, I was seeing how much value came out of integrating uh, powerful technologies, well, uh, and then I was also paying attention to the world of blockchain, right? Seeing what was going on with the rise of various cryptocurrencies and NFTs. My gosh, was that hot last summer
0: oh, yeah. uh,
1: and this fall? And uh, and learning more about in general the the benefits uh, of crypto uh, of blockchain. Sorry, and I was thinking like uh, my co-founders uh ended up thinking this is this is going to be big. It already is big. And it's just going to keep getting bigger and eventually restaurants are going to have to reckon with it. Maybe not today, maybe not in 2022, but eventually they'll have to. Yeah. And it started feeling a lot like uh the internet to me, right in in 1995 and yeah, you know, or ninety seven or ninety six, whatever, you know, that it was early. It was kind of here, it was real, but it was still early. Sure. And and uh it's like, okay, somebody's gonna come and do this really well for restaurants. and with you know my background, my love of the industry, uh, and those uh uh the same thing for other, you know, my co founders and then the project. Like we want it to be us, right? We want it to be us that's kind of helping to usher restaurants into this new world and that's where it started um and i think uh, so many people out there think you know that you know it's it's fake it's it's a it's just a fad it's going to go away I'm like no <laughs> if you if you if you study it for even a few days you realize yeah this there's too much too much application too much money pouring in, in investment from big big companies it's here it, it's gonna it's here to stay it's gonna keep growing and um, I think the, I, I remember uh, I watched a, kind of a YouTube video that came back, uh, promoted for me. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely interested in this. And it was uh, Bill Gates on David Letterman in 1995. And internet. David Letterman was asking, yeah, so this whole internet thing, is this, is this a thing? Is this
0: real? And Bill's like, yep, it's real. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's interesting because I remember, so I have to, I, so first of all, I want to dive into the blockchain because I want to understand not only from its cryptocurrency aspect, but you know, it's obviously being used in a lot of different ways. The FDA is always talking about blockchain, you know, uh, Frank y- y- Gian- Giannis is always going on about how we're using the blockchain for food safety and all these different things. But um, it's interesting because Quiznos, who I used to work for back in the day, like, you know, 14 years ago at this point, which is crazy how old we all get so quickly. But like, uh, I saw like maybe two years ago that they were like, Hey, we're taking crypto for subs or maybe like last year they, they had, they were going to start taking crypto for subs. And I thought that's interesting. Like, you know, you have so many other things you should be working on, but that's cool that you're doing that. Uh, but, uh, so let's first of all because i don't really know that much about the blockchain technology i mean i have like a very cursory understanding of it so can we dive into the blockchain and then i want to dive into crypto after that but let's talk about the underlying technology of blockchain and then we'll jump on top to what cryptocurrency is because it's funny because i talk to people all the time and my wife's in financial services and like they're all like trying to wrap their heads around this whole thing, you know? And then I've got this other buddy of mine who works with a lot of family offices and they're all moving towards crypto. So they're like seeing that, like, hey, this might be a way to shelter some of this fortune, you know? So let's start with, well, and then we also have to talk about your company too, right? Because you didn't even mention your company's name. Um, I'm, Is it Devour? Devour token, am I saying it correctly? Did I lose you? break are you there chad horn chad are you muted hello chad chad did i lose you
1: how about now tommy
0: oh okay sorry i think i lost you for a second yeah uh, that was uh
1: technical failure on my the part of my headset i apologize
0: Oh, no problems. Okay. So Mike, so I was talking, so I can cut back in. No problem. Okay. So I want to dive into first is let's talk. So the question was, I want to talk blockchain, then I want to talk crypto. Okay. okay? So uh, Chad, explain to me and the listeners, what is blockchain? Just the technology itself. And then I want to learn more about crypto on top of that.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of value in, in, me trying to keep this simple, which I, I don't always right. succeed at, but here we go, right? It's it, Blockchain is a system in which there's a record of transactions made in, you know, Bitcoin, if, if we're talking cryptocurrency, but just it's a, si- a series of transactions mm-hmm. uh, that's just maintained across several computers that are linked in a peer-to-peer network. And it's just decentralized from any one organization for the for the security right uh um nobody coming in control and messing with things uh it's immutable right so that everyone can go and look at the history of all these transactions and know that it is valid so it's it's, it's just that system of record keeping that
0: uh you know But it, because is, it, it shows dispersed. you a true
1: history of what's occurred
0: sure and because it's dispersed right mm-hmm. No one person controls all of the computers that are keeping these records. So even if I controlled three of 10, I could monkey with my three, but the other seven that are all linked together through like, you know, whatever secure connection they have would be like, no, you're monkeying with this. These other seven say you're wrong. So stop. Right. Like we have a system of honesty because we're, not everybody owns all of the computers. If like they're not owned by the US government, they're owned by people or organizations that have a vested interest in keeping these records honest because they're, the value of, in the case of cryptocurrency, I would assume, the value of their currency is tied to these records being honest. So everybody's got a vested interest in making sure that this thing's all honestly happening, right? Is that, would that be fair?
1: Well said, Tommy. Yeah, okay, because cool. of that, it's it's like you know you don't need to to trust who you're working with because the trust is built into the system.
0: Yeah, so it's engineered from day one into we all have a vested interest in keeping this stuff straight. We could lose millions of dollars if we don't, so we are going to fight each other to keep this straight. Because if somebody's trying to monkey with stuff, it's going to end up screwing all the rest of us. So we will all be we're forced to be honest partners maybe not because we want to but because we have to right like yeah and i know the fda is always talking about using blockchain to help with food safety analysis and stuff do you know anything about how they would be using it to do that
1: well i i don't know the specifics uh, that isn't where we're focusing yet or, yes. however um you know if you think about it just as as a record of uh supply chain, right, transactions, like, you know, from if you have it built into the process to like tag where food is coming from and where it's going at each step in the journey, then that could be, that record, again, could be held in the blockchain so that people who care and organizations who care can see where all the food is coming from.
0: And I guess the idea would be like, you know, I'm a bad guy and I've got all this like spoiled chicken, right? Like, like I'm trying to like screw the system and sell all this chicken because you know I paid millions of dollars for it, but then you know the blockchain in theory is providing that data integrity, if you will, right? So right. then I'm trying to fudge it on my end and the and like this the way the system works is going, Nope, there's no way that chicken's still good. It's been sitting like on a dock for six weeks you know so this guy's trying to screw the system and therefore they could at least identify it because it's an accurate. once again i guess the best way to put this is blockchain is uh integrity and record keeping is really what i guess you could think about it as right like that would be the easiest way to put it it's it's being able to the audit and show Uh, integrity and record keeping which is interesting because that's kind of what we do today with our little platform you know what I mean but Mm -hmm. we don't go through the blockchain you know but we do have rules for instance like you can't edit checklists once they've been submitted but we won't let you change them like you can delete them that's up to you but you can't go in and change your answers which actually causes a lot of people like issues, just ironically, <laughs> um, which you're like, why is that such a big problem? And they're like, eh, and then they tell you, well, I need to pencil with this. Or sometimes these guys aren't calibrated correctly and they need to go, they mess up. And you're like, well, how about they just redo it? Or, you know, you find some other process to manage around it, which we're kind of going through right now, as a matter of mm-hmm. fact, everybody. Okay, cool. So now let's talk about cryptocurrency, right? Explain to us at that 30,000 foot level the cryptocurrency game.
1: Well, 30,000, I would just say cryptocurrency is it's applying the principles of blockchain to currency to create a coin or a token as a medium of exchange because the yeah. blockchain can hold any kind of data. Cryptocurrency applied to money, right?
0: Okay. So then, okay. So, And so I can exchange like a barter almost, right? Like, so we have this concept of money, right? But like, we all know that the U S government's kind of wonky and like, you know, we borrow more money than we make. And sorry, uh, sorry, my, I sometimes I move my wrist and my stupid Siri on my watch kicks on. Um, (laughs) So, uh, so, you know, you can you can make a case that the US dollar is either strong or that, you know, we are just teetering on the edge of oblivion with all the debt we have in this country. But I don't I don't really want to get into that at all. But like so cryptocurrency is a currency that's being managed through the blockchain. And then I can trade American dollars to purchase or I can purchase cryptocurrency, tokens, coins, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um using american dollars using pounds using uh you know um euros or i can can i use other things to purchase cryptocurrency as well um or does it have to be dollars
1: no i mean any 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 currency i mean you can purchase cryptocurrency with other cryptocurrencies you can pick purchase it with uh well what i call fiat dollars in any from any any country around the world at this point, sure. um, you can exchange their their currency for crypto. Got it.
0: Now those, okay. So we're, we're going to keep out of NFTs for a few minutes. Mm. So, okay, so cryptocurrency is just a different form of currency, um, right? And so real quick, what does it mean when somebody says, I'm mining for cryptocurrency?
1: Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, they basically have their, their computer uh expensive uh rig uh set up to to do a lot of calculations because to actually enter a transaction on the blockchain or for crypto it's computing intensive um so those people are mining they're actually getting rewarded in some cryptocurrency for putting their computers to use for the good of the network um okay so it's just uh yeah, it's a it's a word that simply says, hey, I, I got a computer that's crunching numbers.
0: Got it. And like, uh, oh, gosh, did you ever watch Silicon Valley? If you're in tech, a oh like,
1: number of times that's been re- recommended to me. But no, I actually haven't yet.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Come on. I know. I know. <laughs> no, seriously, though, it is so funny <laughs> and it's so well written. It's so funny. It's Mike Judge, you know, Office Space, obviously. Beavis butter. Office space is ten thousand times better than Beavis butter, but it was written by those guys, and it's uh, the guy um, Alec Berg from Seinfeld. Remember, they always be like Alec Berg. He was like a big director and writer on Seinfeld. He's like one of the main directors on this show too. So it's got some serious comedy chops behind it. Anyway, one (laughs) of the things that they built in that uh, in that show is they built a distributed network similar to blockchain. Um, They didn't call it that but they were doing it on people's cell phones and everything. So like, basically, you know, they were able to go out and like run their algorithms. um, But they could utilize, instead of having like, you know, 10,000 servers, you know, just crunching, they could go to everybody's cell phone and use 3% of their cell phone. And like, you know, they could distribute out the workload on devices that were idle and take up some bandwidth from them, you know, just to make, Computing cheaper, basically, is what they were trying to do. So basically, if someone's mining for cryptocurrency, then what they're doing is they've said, "Hey, I've got you know, I've got a MacBook, I've got a MacBook Pro here with 32 gigs of RAM. That's my work computer. You know, come on in and you know, I, you know, I'm on, I'm just doing browser stuff all day. So you know, go on and use half my RAM and some of my computing power to uh, you know process these transactions." Right, basically that, that could be an example of it. Okay. Yeah. Would that be an example? I'm asking, actually. I don't know. I mean, it, it's
1: more than that. It's it's not like sharing you know, other computers' resources. It's it's saying, you know, think of it like so. Think about it this way, right? Let's say you have a blockchain that has been running a while. Think about mm-hmm. the amount of transactions that's that it now that it has to store. So okay. after a while <laughs> to to uh kind of take all that data and to calculate the, the in a secure way, uh, a new transaction on there, sure. um, it's it's just computing intensive. So yeah. as time goes on, it just takes more and more uh, computing to handle each transaction, not with every uh, protocol. I'm not gonna say that's true of all, but uh, kind of what Bitcoin is, right? Uh, that, yeah. That's kind of how it works. But um, yeah, it's, it's just, it, it's computers crunching numbers.
0: Got it. Okay. So that's mining for Bitcoin. Okay. So now let's go to what your company does for restaurants, right? Tell me what your company does for restaurants.
1: Yeah. So devour, right. Um, kind of coming off this theme, blockchain, cryptocurrency, I'll yeah. add in NFTs and we'll get into that too. Oh,
0: but, wait, oh, stop. Yeah. Do, do NFTs real quick because then okay. I'm like, you do let's do that let's get all the definitions out so we're all on the same page here hit it nfts right a blockchain token but instead of
1: like a cryptocurrency where we'll use bitcoin as an example one bitcoin is no different than another bitcoin Mm -hmm. in nft land one nft is different than another right so everyone's probably heard of the you know nfts as pictures of some form well Clearly one photo isn't different or one drawing isn't isn't the same as the other. So it's the same chain, right? It's the same, it's the same collection, except each one is different and therefore could have different values and usefulness, et cetera. So Correct. it's it's very similar to cryptocurrency, except each one of them is different than each other.
0: Got it. Almost like a serious. So with the images, the way I understand it is like, they've got that monkey, right. And the monkey's okay. got glasses, but then I buy this version of the monkey and his glasses are Ray-Bans versus aviators. And so that, and that, I own that it's copyrighted. Like I own it. And also I can copy, it's almost like copyrightable, right. Or trademarkable. So you can't go use my thing. I can go sue you for it, but I pay 250 gram for it. And then if I can sell it for 250 grand that's great i can get that money back or i might be able to sell for half a million or you know maybe because i owned it and i'm tommy and people really like me it's worth more now or whatever but it's an image but it's worth the it's like a painting almost but it's the value of the painting right like i could buy the mona lisa too and then i could hold it it's unique and then i could sell it again for something else right mm-hmm. now
1: so you're you talking that. about the board apes there it's a- yeah. So if we think about what what nFTs are right so to most people let's think about like who's listening to this you know most people probably still think right that nFTs are nothing more than overpriced jPEGs right yeah. or, or images of some sort that day traders out there are buying and selling and it makes no sense. so one of the things we're doing is, in devour is to actually make nFTs, cryptocurrency etc genuinely useful. restaurants right and that that genuinely
0: useful uh thing is is critically important (laughs) to our perspective on it sure okay so now we know that blockchain is really just a system of storing transactional data that has built-in integrity because it's dispersed Mm -hmm. we know that cryptocurrency is just like any other currency it holds value Um, And I think one of the things that makes people weirded out by cryptocurrency a little bit is that that value seems to go from nothing to a hundred thousand, like a token could be worth a hundred thousand one day and it could be worth a penny the next day. Mm -hmm. But uh, cryptocurrency, which is a currency that we purchase with like with what we would call like government issued currency, if you will. And then we can own it and we can use it to buy stuff and trade things and, you know, whatever. We can like use it to make purchases. Right. Or we can save it. Uh, for an investment, whatever we want. And then we have NFTs, which are uh, like cryptocurrency, but they are uh, unique. Whereas one Bitcoin is equal to another Bitcoin. NFTs are uh, unique and they're there's not like, it's not a one for one type of deal. And okay, so that's kind of the whole ecosystem here. Oh, and then mining cryptocurrency means that I've like turned over my computer to uh, the blockchain, if you will. And they're utilizing my resources on my computer um as part of the chain to transact and keep these records mm-hmm. okay so let's talk devour tell or us what devour does
1: yeah that, I think devour just just even hearing you say it back tommy I realized yeah I mean I I I I've been doing this now a little while and it, it's like even even hearing it back it seems like there's a complexity to it right it's it huh. there's there's it's just it's still a foreign concept to so many, and so recognizing that and recognizing like how new this is, uh, we could have gone two directions. We could said could have said, all right, restaurant industry, let's let's work together. Let's catch you up. Let's bring you in to the world of blockchain. So sure. we're not doing it that way. We're saying restaurants, you're you're do you're doing things your way. It's it's very different than other industries. It's chaotic running a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> you got. You got a million things to worry about, like in so many different areas, like staff alone, or like Operations, what you're helping restaurants with. It's there's so much going on. Let's let's take what's useful from this world of blockchain and bring it into restaurant land, and sure. make it work on restaurant terms. Um, and the reason we're doing that is because you know it's that's what we know. Why we know restaurants, we know restaurant tech, and we care enough about this industry to not force restaurants into blockchain world too soon because sure. you know, it's it would be really challenging for almost any restaurant now to like try to grapple with all these new technologies technologies come up with some idea for a project and to execute it in a way that generated some sort of positive
0: ROI well, and I, let's be honest too, restaurants okay. are like, they don't have time for this. So, like they, they don't have time change in any way, shape or form. So if you required them to change to you, you would get zero traction. Zero okay. traction. And,
1: <laughs> and yet, and yeah, this is the, this is the cool thing that I think, you know, people don't want to get left behind, right? Because yeah. it could be, the uh the pandemic happened and then all of a sudden everybody who wasn't already doing everything they could with online ordering and delivery needed to figure that out overnight um yep. some were able to and some were not uh and so nobody nobody wants to get left behind and and we're not at that point right now where somebody might but right now we're at a point where well executed for the right restaurants right in the right way the opportunity is huge and i i love that uh the fly fly fish restaurant club uh Gary Vaynerchuk partnered with uh, a restaurant group in New York. And my gosh, I mean, they generated their collection of membership NFTs is worth over $16 million. So they made it very clear to everybody that there is, there are ways that restaurants can gain a lot of usefulness out of NFTs because their guests find them useful. You sure. know, the Flyfish Restaurant Club, which doesn't even open until next year, their yeah. guests say their NFTs are worth collectively $16 million. That's, that's a story. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a light to the industry. Say, like, Hey, look, look what's out there. Look what we could potentially aim for and and move towards. And so, but not everybody could do what they did. You well, know, They had a, they have a massive influencer <laughs> yeah. to promote their project. Right. So, um, but yet, but yet there are things that restaurants can do if, you know one of the things we're doing making it accessible to them so the larger devour project encapsulates a lot of things right there's we're building a, a community of uh of restaurant people people who love restaurant people so that we can you know one connect have fun but also learn about these things right at, at a non-threatening pace in a non-threatening way start learning about the value these technologies have for restaurants um and then we have the 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 NFT collection we're coming out with a collection that is a is a tribute to the industry right featuring you know the the different workers in a in a restaurant from dishwashers to line cooks to uh, head chefs to to servers everybody's in there uh, certain celebrity chefs are in there notable chefs are in there and we're doing this to say hey everybody this is this is what we're about but also to show people that you can actually do things with NFTs that are really useful in the real world. Um, And then we have our foundation, because uh, built into the token, uh, the Devour token, as well as our NFT collections, we're generating a lot of money for restaurant workers and organizations that do good for restaurant workers. And then there's the tech. So let's zero in on the tech, because that's, I think, where everyone's going to be most interested. This comes down to three things. Uh, One is making NFTs easy for restaurant guests. Uh you couldn't, as, a, as your average restaurant, you could not be successful <laughs> asking all of your guests, right, to participate in some program you have if it requires them to figure out creating an account on some crypto exchange or op- creating a wallet, uh, you know, opening up a wallet app account or you know, swapping uh, swapping tokens on the tools that are out there. It's It's too complex for most people right now. So we're making NFTs easy for restaurant guests so that it's no more complex than your standard create an account right login password deal you know connect via google facebook your account etc something really frictionless so that everyone can easily earn receive buy nfts if they want to without any of the blockchain complexity
0: okay i'm gonna stop you right there for a second so Are you guys envisioning this as a way for restaurants to raise money, to expand or to stay in business? Or are you looking at this as a way for me to pay for my steak?
1: Any and all of it, whatever might make sense for a particular restaurant.
0: Okay. So really you're, you're like facilitating Bitcoin or NFT transactions between patrons and restaurants. And that could be and it's no different than me going, hey, look, everybody, I want to go open my second Tommy's Pastoria uh, and I need to raise a half a million dollars to go do that. I'm selling stock or NFTs in my company so I can raise this 500 grand so I can go get location number two going. Or it can be as simple as, hey, you know, you've decided that you don't want to pay for, uh you don't want to use your visa anymore. You want to use, um you know your crypto and so uh, using devour you can pay for your meal tonight with crypto yeah
1: yeah so you hit on two different use cases and i would say neither of those are going to be the main thing that restaurants will gravitate towards okay well um, principally in the area of sales marketing loyalty and guest experience so if you if we make it easy for for guests to again get in the nft game We also want to make it easy for them to use those NFTs and make them want to, right? Like what's in it for the guest? And so what's in it for them is we start to attach some significant real world utility to those NFTs. Like if, so now we're now kind of get, let's get away from the kind of the idea of the the board ape, right? Like you just own it. It's a status symbol. It doesn't, I mean, there's actually, it does do something, but at one point it didn't. Uh, and there's plenty of others out there that don't. And you're really getting it because you're in. You just want to be in the club, sure. but <laughs> you know you're you're in some sense overpaying for the actual real world utility you get. Yeah. In in we're we're attaching real world utility to these NFTs, so that in a restaurant world that could be a, a, a loyalty status with loyalty benefits. You're earning rewards, uh, access to events, uh, you know, merchandise, whatever it is. At a exclusive and higher level because of your nft ownership or you know, just cool experiences like on an, through ordering is your the ordering channels of the restaurant hey you get access to secret menu items that are only available to nft holders access uh, through reservation platforms oh you want to make a reservation at seven or eight at night on a friday or saturday those prime time hours well Only NFT holders have access to those windows. So the idea of attaching things that really matter to people in the restaurant world to those NFTs. Sure. And finally, the pillar of this is making it easy for restaurant operations. It's not going to (laughs) matter what utility there is on NFTs and how easy it is for guests if it requires extensive staff training. Uh, you have to hit you know a series of uh, four buttons you know swipe the here and you know no right if if you are complicating the restaurant especially when they're busy you know making guests look up something on their phone and show the staff and hoping that you know the the right buttons are hit at the right time and it's it will break apart right no no successful brand is going to adopt that unless it's again it's a simple simple single location restaurant kind of where you know you can check in at the host stand with your membership nft and then it actually is fine um for a scaling operation they need everything to work out well which goes back to the expertise of our founding team integrations um if it all seamlessly connects and the brand doesn't have to train their staff and the entire experience uh, of useful experience is, is is given to the guests through existing restaurant technologies, existing loyalty platforms, ordering platforms, reservations, etc. Then it works. Everybody's winning, right? Every all the guests can participate. It's easy for them. There's actually useful benefits, and uh, the restaurant operations keep humming.
0: So, so then with Devour and. You guys are basically integrating yourselves into the pars and to some of these other platforms, reservation platforms and whatever, and you're handling the nft or the crypto or the blockchain stuff. But then you know I don't have to go and get like I don't have to get everybody to log on to the devour reservation site because I can just go to open table in the, hypothetically, right? And then right. The, because my devours hooked in devours hooked into open table at this location. Then through uh, APIs, then all of a sudden I'm able to go, hey, by the way, I have this NFT for this restaurant. And so then Open Table can look at your API and go, oh, okay, cool. Then you can get the seven o'clock on Friday reservation because they hold four tables for NFT holders every Friday at seven, you know, that type of thing.
1: You got the idea right there, Tommy. right? And cool. so the uh, Devour isn't delivering that directly. In most cases, it would be through the integrations as you're talking about. And you know, because we're kind of this central platform for connecting multiple integrations, the same brand could give and if their NFT holding guests benefits through their loyalty program and their reservation platform, their ordering platform and their reservation platform, right? So the ability to kind of have multiple layers of benefit to guests uh, attached to a single NFT because of the integration
0: approach you might remember the name of this company too there's a company out there and their whole thing was they built like an a uh, standardized api for all the pls systems and i can't get the name of them right now and i yeah, talked- be
1: omnivore omnivore and i i uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah partnered with them at two companies
0: yeah so omnivore yep that's it so you're you're so would it be fair to say that devour is trying to be the omnivore of uh of blockchain in the restaurant space would that be a fair comparison or no?
1: Um there is a there is an element of that. Yeah. Sure. I would agree. Yeah, there's an element of that kind of you u- kind of universal integrations approach. Sure. Um it's just going to be very focused <laughs> yeah. um on on one uh, kind of utility of NFTs and then ultimately our token, right? The, the devour token so people can, you know, pay with crypto. That's not what we're doing first, right? But uh, yeah. The, the, but yeah, very focused on NFT based utility, as opposed to supporting all manners of integrations with all manner of POS.
0: Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Okay, I get it. I understand it now, (laughs) that's really exciting. (laughs) Okay, so we can move on to question number two.
1: Let's do Uh, it.
0: (laughs) I know, isn't that crazy? Uh, So question number two is, what is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now?
1: Well, I feel like these next questions will go a lot faster now that we've laid that foundation, right? Um, the, the big project is uh, right now is that frictionless NFT experience for guests, right? So what we already talked about, just making that easy guest experience.
0: Cool. All right, there you go. Um, so uh, I guess let me ask you this question, as like because you're a tech, you're a tech founder now, uh, and I'm a tech founder. Uh, are you guys bootstrapped, or did you guys raise money?
1: We are bootstrapped. We raised a little money so far. Um, we have a lot of interest uh, from folks uh, wanting to invest in the company, but uh, and we may may do that in, soon. But uh, as of right now, we're we're bootstrapped. A uh, little bit of seed investment, and then our and the Devour token generates uh, project funds as well.
0: Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because you know, for those of you guys that are out there, bootstrapping means that if you're not in the like the tech startup space. Bootstrapping means that you're using your money and your sweat equity and maybe borrowing a little bit of money from family and friends and fools, the three Fs, right? To uh, get your company started. And um, and the benefit of bootstrapping is that when if you really blow up and take off, you own the majority of your company still. And, um, and so you can have a huge payday even on less money, right? But then the negative of bootstrapping is that you see all these people who raise money and they can just throw money at problems and you have to figure it out for yourself and you have to be more patient and it, everything takes longer. I think mean, that's a fair estimation of the difference between the two and you don't raise any money, right? So like you have to just do it yourself. You have to be smart and solve problems and keep trying and, you know, versus if you are like toast you can just go get a hundred. You can get a billion dollars and go. Hey, well, let's just figure this out. Here's a hundred million. Go solve the problem. You know, uh, you you, you summarize that well, Thomas. <laughs> well, I, mean, I use Toast as an example because they're a big uh, Boston company, right? So they, um... oh, yeah. So anyway, um, okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. We're bootstrap too, and uh, I will tell you that like we've been in business for seven years now, and literally. Every three to six months for up until the last six months, I have wanted to raise money every three to six months. <laughs> I've just been like, God, God, I, just, I get some news that I don't want to hear. And then I'm like, we just need to get some money to throw it at the problems. I can't deal with this anymore. Like, if everything's taking too long, especially when you're hyperactive and don't have any patience. And like, you know, it's just so. Bootstrapping can be so hard when you see people just going, Oh yeah, we just raised five million dollars. We just put a million bucks on that. And you're like, Are you kidding me? I've been working on this for four years. Um, anywho, so that could be a sign of uh things to
1: come for us then, uh of what we're what we're looking at.
0: Yeah, no, I because I talked to a buddy of mine, like another company, and they're they're they just raised, I think, another five million or something. And you know, he's like they don't own as much of their company anymore, obviously. Right. Cause every time you raise capital, you use about 20%, I think is what the average is. Um, but like, he's like, yeah, it's really fun just to get like a bunch of money and just try to break things and see what we can do. And I'm like, Oh, you bastards. Uh, <laughs> I'm like so jealous, but then like, like now I'm not, because I think we're, you know, we've kind of crossed a major startup hump, if you will, mm-hmm. and now we're sort of self-funding our own growth and that's like a really exciting place to be but i can't tell you how many times that i was like ready to cry and just be like just give me some money and that number's gone up every year too like it like get like 2015 it was like can i just get 50 grand and now i'm like i need 6 million dollars <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's that's so stupid true.
1: The, the bigger you are the more you need to to take that next step
0: oh yeah it's nuts um Cool. So you guys are out there, you're bootstrapping it out, you're making your platform and yeah. And you know, it's always a good sign when investors are calling you because that means that they have recognized something, right. Um, that they're like, Hey, this could be, we want to hitch our wagon to this. And uh, you know, that's always exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Number three, what is the one thing in the industry or your business that is keeping you up at night? uh I
1: would say restaurants making moves into blockchain too early or with not with without enough planning and I would even add in there like just everyone taking too much uh, of a cue from you know the the McDonald's and the Paneras of the world who are you know again registering trademarks for the metaverse properties they're rolling out. It's like it's it too too much too soon creates. Sure more opportunity for failures that people then point out and go, see, see, I knew this thing was all smoke and mirrors. And, and it's not right. There's so much usefulness, but if, if too many brands do it the wrong way, um, too soon again, poor execution, then everyone will kind of be collectively set back. And in terms of making progress.
0: Yeah. And you know, there are people out there right now, and they and they probably understand blockchain really, really well, but they don't understand restaurants. And they're out there and they, you know, hey, I'm I'm worth a hundred million dollars in crypto. So you should talk to me, you know? And they're utilizing their they're they're going in and they're you're like you said, they 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 might be setting these guys up for failure. And and they'll get paid either way, right? Because it's a transactional thing, and they'll get paid. But then it could set, like you said, it could set McDonald's back 10 years because they dabbled in it in (laughs) a way too ambitiously, too soon, didn't see any return, and ended up pulling back, you know? And so that could be scary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oh, now you're right. We are banging through the questions, aren't we? Uh, So that was number three. Um, Number four, what is the one thing you thought your industry would be doing right now that it isn't? High level.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's, it basically the high level of this is when the industry doesn't embrace technologies that are proven, right? Where yeah, it's like every like there's enough examples of brands being massively successful with something, and yet there's still just too many restaurants that haven't done it. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me, right? So that that was online ordering um you know in delivery done right you know just getting that right your your online presence right and everything there with the guest experience that that's one and I, I would say most people have kind of covered that now but so now i'm like mastering social media there's still like good brands that have a very very poor social media game yeah. again it doesn't make sense to me when it's so well established the power of social media done right um, so those are ones, right? So so let's let's say social media, right? When there's like tap the table, there's there's lunchbox and so many great yeah. companies, agencies, et cetera, that can just help you have a solid social game. Um, that that's still a little mystifying.
0: Sure. You know, it's interesting because the restaurant industry is like you know, I started at 14. I was making cheesesteaks. Like my both my grandfathers were immigrants and like they both owned restaurants. My parents wanted nothing to do with restaurants They, because they had grown up with restaurant parents uh, back in the day. And so my dad was like, it's like a weird mix. Like I'm restaurant and tech, right? Because I was like, a, like, I always wanted to be in restaurants and manage restaurants. My dad was a rocket scientist. My mom worked for Lockheed. You know what I mean? Like, so it was one of those things where I had technology in my home, but I wasn't really in tech. I always wanted to be a chef, actually. And, um, and then I got into tech actually working at quiznos as like kind of op services and then that's where this platform came from and all that stuff but like um it's interesting because the restaurant industry i think it's because we're open 363 days a year you know open to close seven days a week like we just and also we've been struggling with labor for so many years now, though I think that the restaurants need to change how they do things to take advantage of just the world we live in today to do a better job of this, because the idea of, you know, having uh, just the way employees, this is gonna be a better way to do this whole thing with employees. But, um, you know, they just are so reticent to adapt technology and I just think like they want to, like I see it within our own company, they want to adopt technology, but then, you know, The guy who's in charge of adopting technology is also in charge of making sure that there's somebody at the restaurant working. And when that person doesn't show up, uh, all forward progress stops because people are coming in at three and there's no one there to manage them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just tough for these guys because they can't, they never get a break. There's never a weekend where they can go, oh, maybe I'll just work a little bit Saturday morning and try to figure this out. You know what I mean? they're always open and they're always busy. And so they just they there's no opportunity for them to ever take a step back from the day to day, you know, and just go, okay, how are we gonna solve some of these problems? You know what I mean? The The immediate problem is we need 70 managers for uh, 70 stores. And that, that trumps everything good we should be doing to be better. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's so- a tough industry to sell into.
1: It is, it is. And when you, you kind of go into it, right, like, you know, why restaurants haven't done it, it makes sense. And that's why restaurants shouldn't, right, do any of this new blockchain stuff, you know, unless they they go into it with an understanding of what it is, what it can deliver. And and it, frankly, un, in a way that doesn't overly complicate their world, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. So I completely heard.
0: Yeah, and that's probably the message of this podcast, right? Which is like, because here's the thing too, right? And we see this in our own company and, and as well, like we just saw it last year for something. But like, there's all these guys out there that are selling you on everything all the time. You know what I mean? And, and, you got to be wary of, I mean, and we have sales guys too, right? (laughs) Like, so like, don't be wary of our sales guys, but be wary of everybody else's. But like, um, you know what I mean? Like they're always trying to sell you and getting you to move on all these things. And if it's like, you know, most, and you probably saw this at par and all these other like tech companies that you worked at, if you, don't have executive buy-in if you don't fully understand how this is going to work and if you don't have a way like if you're not good at executing things then it's going to be a massive failure for you you know what i mean and that's across the board on any technology yeah. like you've got to have like an executive that's saying hey we're changing how we do our business now to encompass this new thing right in our world it's uh, better operations management and analytics of data, right? Like daily operations and analytics of data, your business, it's accepting these these new uh, tokens and, and moving into this new world. You have to have that executive who's going, we're changing how we do business to keep up with the world. Then you've got to have committal that we're going to do this because I've seen, like we see it in our own business all the time, area managers, like the field can break, the field can wear down executives, right. And just go, Nope, we're not doing it. It's too hard. It's complicated, whatever. And then, you know, and then you've got to be able good at implementing change. Like that's a muscle that like we restaurants have this weird dynamic where I think they're probably the best business process management people in the world because they've broken a taco bell down into, you know, these hundred checklist steps that if you follow, you can make $1.2 million a year selling tacos. You know what I mean? And I say that we're the best business process people in the world because we do a better job of breaking down complex processes into into small steps and then getting an unskilled worker to do them for the most part. Like I'm talking QSR at this point or like fast food. But, But a lot of people go, well, a lot of people can do that, but they don't have the one attribute that restaurants have to deal with that they don't, which is perishability. Anybody can do that with widgets that don't spoil, but try doing it with widgets that spoil, you know, try doing it with widgets that uh, if not cooked properly can kill people. You know what I mean? Like, so restaurants do do it better. And they've traditionally done a really good job of training and getting that message out on how to like make these repeatable processes. So I would argue we are the best in the world at business process, but at the same time, like, it's still really hard to implement new technology. Like it's just it's it takes a lot of effort, you know, and it takes a good organization to be able to pull it off. I guess. Yeah. So important what you're talking about. So yeah, it's nuts, but um, okay. So first of all, we're we're coming up to our last question, Chad. Um, First of all, thank you. I just want to say thank you at this point because I I didn't, you know, it's like. I I appreciate the first 30 minutes of this call because I'm hearing about all this stuff all the time, but I don't have time to research it. You know what I mean? And I didn't have time to understand it. And like I said, my wife's in financial services. So they're all like all their customers are coming to them or their clients and they're going, Hey, you know, what does this mean? And you know, all these things and they're trying to make sense of it. And they're obviously highly regulated. So they can't just go, you know, do weirdo stuff. They can not do anything outside of the norm or they'll get like, you know, She's like a certified, you know, financial advisor. So she it's like lockdown. Um, anywho, so uh I just it was was really great to sort of understand how this whole thing works. I'm gonna I have a war, it's war story time, right? So as our fifth question war story time. So this doesn't have to be with your current company, this can be at anything. What I want is one of those, oh my gosh, I can't believe we got through it cringe worthy or hilarious stories about any time of your. Hospitality industry could be from the current company, could be from whatever. <laughs>
1: well, uh, first, let me say thank you for for having me on your program. It's been fun talking with you about these topics, and um, you opened the door to kind of going the funny route. I'm I'm going to go that way because even before I was in this in this industry or you know, was kind of working uh, that job where I was kind of helping on the IT side. I, I had the opportunity of, uh, of going to it was in Phoenix, and you know, our top sales guy who's bringing me along to kind of answer the technical questions, and uh, you know he he his cousin was um, married to uh, one of the guys who started the Food Network, and hanging out with him, <laughs> and we ended up being finding ourselves at a, a French restaurant uh, downtown Phoenix, I think called. Uh, Michel's restaurant, a great <laughs> French chef uh, run, and uh, uh, to put this kindly, like everyone I was having a you know lunch with, was advanced in years, um, but uh, man, the, the chef was you know really uh, Jack Clifford was the guy's name who started the food network, and the chef loved him. They had a great relationship, and so by the end of the meal, we were going to get taken care of. Um, so. There might've been four or five desserts on the menu, but uh, the chef and all the staff started bringing out so many different desserts, eclairs and mousses and custards and tarts, and it's like insane amount of amazing desserts, those top French desserts. And they're filling up the table. Again, given the company I was with, you know, for diabetes or whatever health issues, these weren't gonna get touched. Um, here I was. I was in my uh, mid twenties. I was really the only guy that was going to put any effort into these amazing desserts on the table, <laughs> and uh, and I ate all of them. Like I didn't leave anything. And I thought Ow. I was going to get sick or anything. I felt amazing the rest of the day. The next day, you know, I guess just being younger, I was able to handle that at the time. But that 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 made an impression. <laughs> like this was like insane hospitality. Um, and uh, just the most amazing things I'd ever eaten.
0: Guesstimate how many calories you consumed in desserts?
1: 3000, I have no idea. I, did, I didn't count. Uh, thankfully I survived it. That's um, awesome. But uh, so, even, so even before I was really steep in the, the hospitality industry, that, that certainly made an impression. It's probably partly responsible for the path I've gone down. And if there's ever uh, some fun exclusive and uh dessert experience that's tied to an nft it's because of that
0: that's awesome that's really great Three thousand. yeah i know because i have like type 2 diabetes now so it's like i have to watch all this stuff you know (laughs) and it's like so annoying um well that's really funny well chad i wish you guys luck over at devour uh check it out if you're one of the listeners here on the show and you guys are looking to sort of jump into the uh, crypto NFT world. Give uh, Check them out. Obviously, I'll put a link to uh, your guys' website in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And um, and we really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Yeah, and I would just
1: tell the listeners as well, even if you don't think as a brand you're wanting to do anything yet, there's a community here. So we'll have a place where you can just have fun conversation with other people in the industry. Right, this is this is going to be a hangout zone. Again, there'll be that tech flavor to it, but it's going to be a fun hangout zone with a lot of uh, cool education and entertainment offered.
0: Oh, and I want to thank Stephen Rono. I, I sort of tagged him earlier in the call. I should have done it sooner, but Steven's who introduced us, and he is a master networker and has really hooked up in the restaurant space. So I want to thank Stephen for introducing the two of us together. Thank you, Stephen, and thank you guys for listening to the Order Up Show. We really appreciate uh, you guys listening. Thank you.